Welcome back, everybody, to the Stark Wars podcast, where we talk all things Marvel, Star Wars, and everything in between. And we're really getting in between here today. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, we're talking about The Flash. <laughs> we're talking about The Flash and full spoiler de detail. So if you haven't seen that movie, I would get out of here. And unfortunately, Tommy is no longer with us. So um, I'm going to have to go back in time to get him for the next podcast. He won't be here today, but we do have a lovely guest. Um, it is former, former congressional staffer, nonprofit lobbyist, co-host of the Kickball Friends podcast, master of decks. And this is a new title and I hope he accepts it. Let's call him a Star Wars DC correspondent. It's Jesse Skolnick. Jesse, how are you? I am wonderful, and thank you. You have now joined the ranks of my mother, of the people in the world who have called me lovely. So I'm, I'm feeling good to be here. And I want to say that I'm here to redeem kickball friends after my co-host's frankly embarrassing appearance in your last trivia show. Unlike Robbie, I got out of the first round, uh, and I'm glad we're here to talk about some DC stuff. As, as you mentioned, that is my... If I had a specialty, I, I, I would call it... I have a Green Lantern tattoo, I think I mentioned on this podcast. So it, it literally is blood deep, my love yeah. for DC Comics. And I've got a Thanos tattoo, so um, <laughs> I think I, I very much come from the school of Marvel. I'm I'm wearing a Wolverine shirt right now, um, but you know, there's I, I like DC too. You know, I know how could you not like Batman? You know, um, we get a lot of Batman here. But I think the thing is, like, and this is probably going to be something that will be a theme throughout this podcast, where like, you know, I'll come on here and I will defend very bad Marvel movies, right? Just because they're Marvel yeah. movies, and I like Marvel, and like I enjoy them more than the average person so i imagine you're probably coming from the same camp where um are you more willing to forgive things because you're a bigger dc fan well I, I, as i mentioned the green lantern tattoo i cannot uh, defend the green lantern movie i I'll, i will never forget sitting there pumped up i actually had a green lantern ring i went with a couple of friends who knew nothing about it but like the trailer brought them like an orange ring and, and a and an indigo ring ready to go and it just fell really flat. So you know, maybe I'll be a little more forgiving. To, I mean, I'm I'm not a huge, huge, huge Snyderverse guy, but also I don't think it's the end of the world and that horrible like a lot of people out there. So maybe there is a little forgiveness you know, in my heart when it comes to these these DC movies. But I, what, what can I say? I, might, I, I recently bought a house recently, about a year ago, and uh, my parents thought it was a great time to get all my comic books back to – now that I have a giant basement. Um, so I literally have uh, about 10,000 comic books in my basement right now. 10,000. Um, yeah, it was probably around 13,000 at the height before I got rid of them. And I would say it's probably an even split between DC and Marvel. So while I love DC, I've you know, read, you know, when I talk about the X-Men, I'm going all the way back to, you know, not the the pre-Giant Size X-Men days, but from there, there on, the Burn Fantastic Four, anything from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and and forward. So, all righty. Well, hey, uh, uh, lovely to have you regardless. Jesse, you know, I follow you on Letterboxd. I, I saw your star review. I saw but yours and you changed it. I did change it. I was oh. thinking about things and I'll get into that. But uh, <laughs> I was actually hoping nobody would catch that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I felt a little embarrassed because I was thinking about it. I was like, oh. Uh, but Jesse, you famously said I'm too liberal with my uh, letterbox reviews. So we'll dive into that in a minute. But I want to get your <laughs> overall thoughts here. Walking out of the movie, how did you feel? Did it, did it live up for you? I absolutely loved it. And I will say this here, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of crap. I liked it better than Across the Spider-Verse. And I thought Across the Spider-Verse was a very, very good movie. I, I've been critical of the, the reception of that movie, even though I gave it four on Letterboxd. Um, I, I thought it was wonderful. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are complaining about the overdoing of the multiversal storyline. But, you know, Marvel did it with three, four movies. You can't blame DC now that they're telling uh, a story. And I'm not even a huge uh, a huge Flashpoint comic fan, which the movie is loosely based on. I think that's because it led to the abomination of uh, New 52. But we're getting off track there. I, I remember about an hour and 10 minutes into the movie sitting there and going to myself, I'm having a lot of fun here. You know, and I've actually become a little less grumpy in the old age or grumpy in some ways as you get old, everybody gets grumpy, but I can see a movie and just enjoy it for what it is. And I feel so many people these days, whether they're on Facebook, on podcasts, on letterbox, they love to be critical and, and they all think they're clever coming up with the exact same jokes. Um, I watched this movie, had a lot of fun. 
felt so much nostalgia that I'm sure we'll talk about later in this podcast. Uh, but it was just a, a great ride. I've had three movies I've watched in a row now that I've given four stars. I don't give that many star uh, movies for star, four stars. So I'm really happy where I am in the, uh, the world of movies right now. And uh, if this is the end of this current iteration of DC comics movies, I'm very happy where it ended. Uh, we still have the Aquaman movie, but you know, who knows? Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, no, definitely. And uh, very well said. And that's the thing. I don't want to come on here and be a hater by any means. Um, and there was a lot I liked about this movie. Like, I really like I found myself laughing way more. Like, I mean, obviously, we kind of you know give Marvel a hard time for like a lot of their just like really watered down jokes uh in the modern movies. Um, but this one, like there was like four or five like really deep laughs for me. Um, uh, so I had a good time with the movie, and I think that's the thing. It's like uh I think I walked in having heard James Gunn say this is the greatest comic book movie ever made. And uh, I, I'm going to have to push back. Uh, in fact, I think it might be my least favorite comic book movie this year. Um, what? But that's the other two are really good, in my opinion. Well, again, I don't want to spoil the ending. I'm sure we'll get, we will spoil it eventually, but I don't want to put the cart before the horse here. But I will say that the ending of this movie had the guts to do kind of what Guardians 3 didn't have, where Guardians, you know, we've, we've spo you spoiled that on this podcast. I'm sure we can talk about it, that. Yeah. Oh, they're going to kill off uh, Star-Lord. Cool. I'm like, oh, no. Turns out he's actually still alive. And by the way, they're all still alive, and there's no reason they cannot come back and make a fourth movie. Um, the way this movie ended, it shows that, that sometimes you can't have that perfect ending, and that's the way it has to be. And I thought that was... I don't. I want to say it was a brave choice. I hate when people talk about it's a movie, but I think that was a choice that you don't see in a lot of movies these days, especially Marvel movies. Yeah, people may die, but it's usually after like their story concludes, you know, over a decade, like Iron Man or or, or whatnot. Um, yeah, we saw the hero not necessarily win at the end of this movie and have to accept that for uh, basically that's life. And I thought that was a, a nice ending to have, uh, a little different than the norm. Uh, I mean, very well said. I, I can tell that uh, you're coming with some great points here because that <laughs> was my biggest complaint about Guardians, and this movie does quite the opposite. So um, we will see if I if I go back up to a four star now that I'm at my three and a half by the end of this. But <laughs> um, I want to ask you this because this is a big one that you know I've talked with uh, our our good friend Alex Bazard a lot about this, like leading up and like grappling with like. Are we cool supporting Ezra Miller at this point? And like, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too deep on this topic at this point. But I, I'm curious, did the, is that where do you stand on that? Are you are you able to like separate him, uh, is it, or or them? Sorry, um, in in this context, uh, how did how did that, how do you how do you grapple with that? I, first of all, I, I'm terrified. I'm going to mis um, mislabel the pronouns. I, yeah. I apologize if I do. It's not on purpose. So I look at it two ways. There's the macro view and the micro view. Like obviously at the, the micro level, like, yes, the things they did, uh, not not cool. Like a lot of issues there going into into it. And I I haven't delved as deep. I did I think back when it all broke, but it's been a while. I've kind of forgotten some of it. It seems to be like there might be some mental health issues. But at the macro sense, I it doesn't bother me. And then I, I have tickets to go see the new Mission Impossible movie uh, with Scientology and and Tom Cruise. There's a lot yeah. of issues there. I mean. If if am I not going to go see another Jonathan Majors Marvel movie? Um, I can I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm a, I'm Jewish. I've seen movies with Mel Gibson in them since you know he lost his mind you know 15 years ago. So I want to say that I'm better than that, but I'm not. And I can say I'm enjoying this as a flash movie. I'm not necessarily supporting. I I support Ezra getting better if that's mm -hmm. possible, but I'm not supporting their actions going forward. But it, it's just really two different things because. There are too many jerks in this world. There are too many bad people. It sounds sounds sad, but there are. And uh, we we like to be righteous and pick and choose. Like I'm not going to watch The Flash, but I'm going to go ahead and and you know watch this movie with someone who may have killed somebody. I'm just being yeah. um, just pulling that out of thin air there. So uh, to answer your question, I'm I'm fine watching it. Like I just put it in the back of my head and I enjoyed it as a Flash movie. Well said, well said. Um, well, let's dive into the movie a little bit here. And there was, uh, <laughs> we open on like one of the most insane. And, and again, like I have to respect the balls that this movie has <laughs> at certain points. We open on one of the most insane 
superhero sequences I've probably ever seen with the hospital and the babies falling out of the building. Um, this was, I mean, both funny and uncanny and weird with these CGI babies. And I will say it was my first big laugh uh, as well when it looks like he's going to save the baby, but really he goes to the vending machine instead. <laughs> like uh, that killed me. Uh, what What did you think about this? Absolutely insane uh, kind of opening. I mean, all of it together is opening for uh, the flash. Well, I'm actually in the opposite camp kind of uh, when it comes to the food stuff. Again, I'm just being a, a DC nerd and Barry Allen has been around since like the early sixties. He basically his introduction, I think he was in showcase Four, is the beginning of the silver age of comics. So I'm sure between 1961 or whatever it was and today, this has happened, but generally speaking, the flash isn't a character who in the middle of a fight is scared of not having enough calories in him. And, and I, I'm probably taking that too seriously. And I thought it was kind of corny, I did like the whole baby sequence. Um, there'll be a lot of talk about the CGI in this movie. I tend to think a lot of it is a stylistic choice versus bad CGI, but we can get into that uh, later on. I did, I'm not the first person to bring this up. I'm sure it's been all over the internet, but it has to be thought uh, related to the Quicksilver time in the bottle uh, uh, scene in um, in that whichever X Men movie was. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, days of Future Past, uh, and you're know, you're always trying to up the ante. And how can we make take this and have it more extreme? Not to be two uh, nineties here. Um, and uh, I, I did like how he kind of had all the babies in a row there at the end and scooped them all up. And I actually thought the funniest part of that entire scene was his interaction with I don't know if it was a nurse or whoever was in that building. Say she's she's just screaming as a normal human being would in that situation. He's like, you should see someone about this. The Justice League is not good at it quite yet. And I, I got a real good uh, laugh over that. Yeah, which, you know, I feel like that's also might be some meta commentary on like, you know, some of the behind the scenes stuff as well. But <laughs> yes. Who knows? I guess uh, maybe not in hindsight, but um, yeah, no, I, again, like um, style, like I, I, I'm confused and I get it, like, because I believe uh, the director had come out and said, hey, mm -hmm. yeah, it looks a little weird, especially in um, I wrote down uh, what people have been calling it online. Where is it? Uh, the Speed Force Arena. Um, <laughs> so especially there, like everyone looks like PlayStation 2 characters. And like, I'm really like, I don't know. I'm torn on it. Uh, reason why I think it's stylistic is because these are people like, like Ron Livingston is in this movie. So it's not like you couldn't have filmed him in these scenes and put him in there. They've taken people who are alive and in and, and doing things in this movie and making them look a little odd. I, I did read that uh, I think the director or the cinematographer, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, said that it's because as Barry is moving so fast through the speed force, things are kind of warped from his perception and they want that to kind of be how we viewed it because let, let's not be honest. It is 2023 and I'm not going to think if they wanted to be super, super sharp CGI images, I think they could have gotten it done. And the fact that they didn't is why I think it was done on purpose, but maybe that's just me as we mentioned earlier on making excuses for the movie. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it's a fair point. Um, so uh, I, I want to dive into kind of, you know, Barry's story here altogether with his family and his mother getting murdered and the father going to prison, which is kind of like the heart of uh, everything from the flash here. Um, let me ask you this real quick. And this is maybe like off topic a little bit. Um, how did how did Barry's mom die? Who killed Barry's mom? Do we know this? Is this a comic thing? I mean, I think it's it's changed over the years. I think it's like uh, the re the reverse Flash goes back in time and kills her or something, or Zoom. There's so many, like anybody who has watched the Flash TV show, which I gave up on a couple of seasons ago, like every, there's 5 million villains and they're all being used and they're all anti-Flashes. Although I think some of the best uh, Flash villains have nothing to do with the Speed Force. Um, I don't think... For the purposes of this movie, I don't think it really matters. I, quite honestly, I think the biggest problem this movie has in the Flash movies and Justice League movies have is that they're using Barry Allen. Barry Allen, Barry Allen is a wet blanket. Uh, he's, you know, the second Flash for the first Flash of the Silver Age. Wally West, I don't know if you know anything about Flash comics. I know Wally West is the best Flash. He was the Flash from the mid-80s up until the mid-aughts. About a year ago, he took over the mantle again. He's... 
you know, red haired from the Midwest, but a lot more fun to play with where Barry would have been that guy in college who like, you know, you're trying to find someone to buy a beer and he'd be like, well, you know, guys, we are underage. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. He's just not that fun (laughs) of a kid, not that fun of a character. Um, It's it's not really what you asked, but I I had to get that out there uh, somehow. I I think like in all these movies, it's the MacGuffin that, you you know, why does he have to go back in time to save his mother who killed her? Doesn't matter. Uh, I'm I'm surprised, you know, he didn't accidentally kill his mom by going back in time. They love doing that movies. Yeah. Uh, Okay. No, well said. Uh, And, you know, I think that's what's interesting is, you know, I found myself in this movie and I don't know how we're going to go about uh, clarifying which Barry is. Maybe we could say Flash and Barry and then maybe. Yeah, there you go. uh, But yeah, I found Barry to be way more enjoyable as a character. Um, So... And I, for what it's worth, uh, yeah, I, I would agree that I guess the standard Barry Allen that we have is not necessarily fun. <laughs> well, as someone who has ADHD, I mean, like, Barry had ADHD like to the max, and I thought it was funny. In some points, at some points, like you know, it's the the world is ending, and you stop making jokes. Which uh, <laughs> it's funny because the Marvel movies are based on that. I, I think maybe just in in this case, it, it didn't work for me, but. Um, I, I, you had to differentiate the two characters somehow and you had the more, you know, weathered version of him from our president than the kind of loser, goofier version from the, from the past. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's see here. Um, there, so we've, we got a lot of characters, uh, in this movie that, um, and I, I think a big issue that I might have and Tommy is, is like screaming at his phone listening to this right now <laughs> because he tells me every every like week the trailers i kind of hurt my experience in a way where like the film is kind of set up in a way that you have to go get michael keaton then you have to go get supergirl and then you fight zod like and and you just like i knew every beat as far as that went and so again maybe that's just a point to not watching trailers um but well, you, you had to sh- I understand the reveal of Michael Keaton, if we didn't know, would have blown my mind. But I think half the people going to see this movie may not have gone to see it if they Mm -hmm. didn't know Michael Keaton was in it. I think you had to have that out there just because of the reputation of some of these DC uh, comic movies or DCEU is how they call it. Uh, It just I you need even my wife, who doesn't really care about these, would watch the trailer. Michael Keaton. You know, and, and and that kind of she didn't care enough to go see the movie with me, but it at least uh, got her interested a little bit. And I think the general population uh, saw that and, and was really excited. And I I'm going to be I'm going to tread some dangerous ground here. I think hey. I think Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill are the best Batman and best Superman. Now, Keaton is my Keaton is my Batman. I love him, but. Yeah. I, I think part of it is because where we've come with CGI and technology, they're able to do a lot more stuff. But I th- I liked having the more, um, yes, I know the, the Batman killed. I think that's the biggest problem some people may have. But if you see the way he fights, it's a lot less stiff than Christian Bale or or Keaton, some of these other people. And he was really able to go out there and and act like I think Batman would. And I think. As I, I love Christopher Reeve as much as everybody else. And again, he's my in my mind when I think of Superman, that's who I think of. But Henry Cavill is just a massive dude. And yeah. I think he 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 is Superman. I know it's gonna be because people don't love this, the Snyder movies. This might be a very controversial take. And I wouldn't, you know, be upset with anybody who have who thought differently. But I'm I'm sad we're not gonna get more of those two actors in these in these roles. And I'm glad we did get a little bit of Batfleck in in this one. You know, I, I I will not fight you on the Henry Cavill of it, of it all. Um, I think uh, you know Ben Affleck. I might give you some pushback uh, there. Uh, <laughs> who's your favorite? No, I, who's your favorite Batman? Um, oh, not who's your favorite? Who's the best? Because again, my favorite is Michael Keaton because I grew up on that. Not him. Yeah. So uh, it's so loaded. Um, <laughs> I want to say Christian Bale because. You know, those movies have been so influential to me. Um, but the, okay, here's my hot take. Yeah, George Clooney is a pretty great Batman. The, the problem is that I, to this day, I've never finished watching Batman and Robin. 
I, I remember I turned you know, when I was still in high school at that point, I turned it off. I'm like, I can't watch the rest of this. It's so bad. So I think he got saddled with a really bad movie. And I actually wasn't a huge fan. I didn't watch ER. I was a Chicago Hope guy, uh, as kickball friends, uh, listeners might know. So I felt the need to like pick a side. So I was never really a, a Clooney guy. I've, I've come around on Clooney. I think he's a pretty cool guy now. So, uh, yeah, I think he got screwed by the, by the, by the script there. It, it and I'm not the type that does, like I actively avoid bad. Like if I think a movie's bad or or I won't enjoy it, I will not see it. Like uh, you know, there's people that, like I have a friend Nathan who's been on this podcast who like just seeks out horrible movies and like I'll never understand that. <laughs> um, so I, I, it's one of the few movies that's so bad that it is good for me personally. <laughs> so uh, that that's kind of where I fall on that. Um, I do want to go back to though, kind of mentioning the the trailers. Let me throw this at you, and I get exactly what you're saying. Michael Keaton basically had to be in these trailers. What if they hit Supergirl? I think that would have been a really awesome uh, reveal. I think they could have. And I, I wonder, because she wasn't really shown in the trailers till the last, till the end of the trailers. And I wonder if things just weren't tracking high enough. And they're like, oh, no, we got to figure out another way to get people's butts in these seats. I, you know, I, I don't know. But I think that would have been fun because... And, and if also the Henry Cavill stuff hadn't come out, that he's not coming back. So people could have been waiting the entire time to see Henry Cavill. And then it would have been a huge uh, switch. When it, I mean, that may have pissed off some people, but it would have been a big surprise. So, yeah, I, I do agree that I think they could have gone without showing that. And there were, you know, some surprises that they did hide, which I can't believe. I, I, I told Robbie, stay off Twitter because you're not seeing this movie till Tuesday. People are going out of their way to spoil things. Um, but I'm glad I, I got to see this with a fresh pair of eyes. And, um, yeah, I, I think they could have done a better job with the, with the Supergirl stuff, though. That, that being said, I thought Supergirl was what I thought Sasha Kaye, I think is how you pronounce her name, was, was fantastic. I wish I could have gotten a little more of her in the movie. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that, um, you know, James Gunn is also planning uh, one of those movies coming up as well. So uh, I see no harm in keeping this actress here. I, I would love to see a little bit more. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I want to talk. So back to uh, Michael Keaton here. Um, I really did. I thought it was a lot of fun because this is not in the trailers at all. But when they first go uh, to the mansion, he has like turned into like a feral uh, person living <laughs> in here, uh, getting drunk and growing his hair out. Uh, and it leads to a really cool fight scene. Um, we also get the explanation of kind of, you know, in my opinion, I like, I mean, I guess there's no good way to explain it, but they're just like, yeah, it's a mess, but I'm here. This is why it makes sense. So, um, but they went a different way. I, I respect they went a different way from Marvel. Marvel was basically like, oh, there's a timeline, and then things branch off. And this is basically like, uh, it, it doesn't branch off. It affects the, the past and the present. And it's basically a bowl of spaghetti that sometimes it touches, but it's just a giant mess. So, it, you know, it, it kind of yada, yada, yada it a bit, but they went in a new direction, which I'm, I'm happy it wasn't just a retread of what we've seen already. Yeah. So what, what, what did you think of uh, all this sequence uh, of uh, getting our old Bruce Wayne here? And as well as like going back into the back cave, I thought there's a lot of fun stuff there. Ugh, it, the, the, the nostalgia that vibed to me, I don't, I don't know how old you are. I was 19, I was born in 1981. So in 1989, I was, uh, I, I saw it in the theater. I remember I had the, the, I was like, why wasn't Prince in the movie? I thought he would be in the movie because of the, the sound, the music video. I had a Joker's lunchbox. My summer camp uh, group was called Jim's Jokers. It, I, I was totally into it. So um, I got to tell you, the, the Batman 89 theme still slaps. When I heard it, I got chills. Um, I was ready. I was looking around. I was ready to cheer uh, both times when, when Michael Heaton goes, yeah, I'm Batman. Or when yeah. he goes, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I was like, he said it. He said yeah. the line. Um, and the the one scene I really wanted once he showed up, they gave me, was the bat plane against the moon. I remember they did that in, in the original one, too. I mean, I am a huge Michael Keaton fan. He's one of my all-time favorite actors. I will see anything. I mean, I'm a huge Birdman fan um, all the way back uh, to his to his uh, Night Shift, I think is one of his earlier comedic roles. Um, I think he's great. So the fact that he was there, he could do no wrong. So again, maybe I'm, well, I would say maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but I don't think anybody is going to see this movie and go, Michael Keaton was not great in it. Yeah. Am, I, am I crazy? That's I think that's going to be the general consensus. Mm, yeah, absolutely. No, he was, he did a, an incredible job. It was so, so fun to see him back. 
Um, I kind of have a little section here where I want to talk about um, the villains, uh, if you consider them both villains. Um, but I want to talk about Zod, and then uh, we kind of get the dark flash at the end here. Um, now, this is probably my biggest uh, complaint about the movie. Um, I, I thought a lot of the motivations of Ezra feeling like he needs to stop Zod and this, like, I, I, like, I wasn't fully buying into it. And also the fact that like Zod's not really in the movie until like the final act. It, it's almost, I, I don't know. It almost feels like there was something missing. Um, I, I needed a little bit more from him and I love Michael Shannon as well. So that would have been great. How do you, where do you stand on that? I, I guess, I guess you could argue that it's not like an essential part of the movie, but um, it is like the climactic battle. Well, I, I did think it was kind of goofy how, uh, oh, I got my powers. And that that was the day before Zod came. Like, what a, what a coincidence that happened. Um, I, I actually I really, what they should have done is, um, to people, have you seen the Snyder Cut? Yes. So they should have brought that opportunity to have Martian Manhunter show up again. Because he was there during all this is going down, just, just hiding, as we learned in the Snyder Cut. I thought that would have been a lot of fun. Um, it, Michael Shannon, always great, was kind of like the specter looming in the background. Because like, oh, Zod's here, gonna have to deal with him eventually. And and it was kind of yada yada yadded um, until it became time for that part of the movie to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it, it's probably not the the best villain, uh, but it was. I, I had a lot of fun with the way they were fighting him and his and his team. Uh, but I, I I I see where you're coming from, where it was kind of an afterthought to part of the movie. Uh, but I. I I don't know. If I think about it now, I don't know what the main thought of this movie was just to like have a multiversal romp maybe and, and spend time with old friends. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, more of like, a, more of like just a coming of age, like, oops, I'm in this situation and with all these superheroes and let's get me back. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree that we had to have something, some sort of looming threat there, but uh yeah, just a little, just a little weird. And also, let's talk about uh, Dark Flash. How did you feel about? You know, we kind of we get uh, we kind of get a glimpse of him knocking Barry out of uh, time and space or whatever. But but how did you feel about you know this whole character and what how they handled it? Well, at first I was which which anti Flash is this now? You know, which uh, character is it? And I was a little worried they. It wasn't going to be who it ended up being. And people were going to complain that it was just tacked on at the end. And who is this person? I don't understand. Uh, I, I think the fact, I mean, the fact, it, it, we're, we're spoiling things here. So it turned out to be Barry, who was still, who had been doing this for like, you know, 50 years, trying to keep going back and saving his mom and saving everyone. Um, it, it shows, again, that time is not linear, that things are happening at all at the same time, but at different times. And, and it really hits home. We hear both Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne say this, and we hear Michael Keaton's uh, character say that, you know, uh, what happened happened, and it's horrible, but it made them who they are today. And they can't imagine what it would have been like if that hadn't happened. And I think it shows, you know, it, it leads to the end that these things have to happen, you know, whether it's uh, the here, going back to Spider-Verse, whether it's one of those, uh, events that have to happen to make a hero. Um, I, I, I like that it, it it wrapped itself up nicer than I than I thought it was going to actually. I think going into that scene and it, it didn't last too too long. I didn't look to see who was the actor playing older Barry. Do we know? Uh, that's a good question. I have no I have no idea. I I thought it might just be because we don't get like a great glimpse of the face. No, like, kind of. He looks like symbiote type. Uh, I kind of <laughs> yes. figured it was it was probably Ezra Miller, and they did some aging. But I, I, I it might be. It might be. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> so, um, but 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 you know what? I, I I think it was a good way to get rid of not get rid of, but deal with only having two berries hanging around, and and it showed that the younger Barry doesn't know what it's like to be a hero, and finally you know, learn the lesson that older Barry, I think was trying to teach him towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I also have, I have, I have another section here where I kind of, I, I just want to stop down and focus on some of the cameos we got. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you have a lot of takes on this. I, I'm going to talk about the one that blew my mind the most up front here. Okay. Um, I, I know what you're talking about. It's Nick fucking cage, baby. I mean, <laughs> 
this was so and this is another one i just laughed like i was like you know you knew uh, did you, know, you know what it was referencing going into it yes uh, there was okay. a, a few a project that was in the works with nick cage he had the lot i've seen the photos of the long hair so, <laughs> so uh, just absolutely ridiculous and, and and here's my other thing again they're kind of in like the time like they went with like the cgi uh you know again kind of like you mentioned like it's supposed to look distorted or whatever but it was like they had Nicolas Cage as a cameo, but I'm fairly certain it was all computer generated too. So it was like really weird, really weird to me. But uh, uh, again, they went there and I appreciate that. It kind of reminded me of uh, the end of Fast 7 with Paul Walker of it all, where, you know, him knowing that he had, had passed away, it looking a little off seemed almost not angelic, but like something like it, it's, it seemed fitting for the moment. And for these, I, for whatever it, it worked for me, I, I didn't have a problem with it being kind of off. I, I did love that they threw in the giant spider, which they were trying for whatever reason, they wanted Superman to fight a giant spider in that nineties. Uh, Tim Burton, I think uh, it was uh, Kevin Smith, I think wrote it, uh, but great not. And, and good for, as we all, well, I was, as we all know, as, as I know, I don't know if you know, uh, Nicholas Cage's son is named Kal-El. Like that's how big of a oh, Superman okay. fan he is. Um, so, so I think he probably this is a dream come true for him. I would imagine. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah, great to see him. I will say so. Uh, th the one that didn't play as well for me, and especially when paired back to back with Nicolas Cage, uh, was the Christopher Reeves one. I, I found this one to be a little. Uh, again, I found Nicolas Cage to be really weird, but this was like weird in a kind of a worse way. Where I was like, is this like? I, I don't know, like, it, it almost seems like, you know, Nicolas Cage is here as a joke, and then they're paying homage to Christopher Reeves, who, like, didn't consent to, like, having, I mean, I don't know, I guess it's a whole, like, more moral thing you could dive into there, but uh, it, was, well, it was a little weird to me. <laughs> did, did you have a problem with Peter Cushing in Rogue One as Grand Moff Tarkin? Okay, so, and I thought about this, and Peter Cush, well, fake Peter Cushing played a part in the movie where christopher reeves just kind of stood there uh so i, I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've had yeah, i've read people go oh it's disgusting i don't i don't like it it's not like they took chris reeve and made him do something crazy like he he, he was superman you know so i don't, I, I assume they probably have to get a sign off from his family maybe not maybe they own the image i don't know but i think the fact that he's basically doing what he is best known for i i i yeah, he's he's dead, so we'll never know. But I just I didn't have a problem. I I, I actually liked having Helen Helen Slater there as as Supergirl, just as a throw with throwing her in. Why not? Um, my actual favorite of all of the uh, the cameos in that scene um, came after after we saw Adam West and George Reeves. But it was uh, Teddy Sears playing uh, Jay Garrick, the Golden Age Flash. I'm a huge golden age flash fan too um he's the guy who looks he's wearing a, a plate on his head or a bowl on his head kind of as a hat um he was only in there for a couple seconds but i was super happy to see um them, them throw some of these older characters a bone yeah this is the great thing about having you on because i would say most of you know i, I saw things i was like i don't know who that is so <laughs> uh, is there any other like uh any other flashes that we get uh of other cameos that i i, I didn't see but i you know when it comes to those scenes i almost missed jay garrick because you're looking in the, i'm looking in the wrong place I'm like where where should i be looking to see somebody yeah. so I, I have to see that scene again and see um i mean judging by the list i've seen online um it doesn't seem like there's anybody else although i didn't realize when i watched that nikolai coster waldo was his name from uh jimmy lannister was the guy that the flash stole a pizza from when he was running, when he first got his powers. So that, I thought that was kind of a fun, fun cameo as well. Yeah. Um, so not in the same sequence and definitely jumping to the end here, but I, you know, I have to talk about my favorite Batman yes. who shows up at the end, George Clooney. Um, I thought this was like such a fun uh, reveal, fun way to end the movie. Uh, did this work for you? I, I did not see it coming whatsoever. I don't, it was not on my right radar and I thought maybe it would be Michael Keaton, you know, like, oh, Michael Keaton's now the Batman because I had heard that rumor that it was going to be. And for a second, I'm like, George Clooney, what's he doing here? And then I'm like, oh, wait, he was Batman, too. And, you know, who knows if Val, Val Kilmer had been in better health, maybe they would have worked him into this as well. And because this is, I mean, again, with Aquaman, generally the end of the Snyderverse, is this like a ha ha ha, never to be addressed again? Or are we going to see him playing Bruce Wayne in some fashion in, in Tim Gunn's universe? I, I don't know. 
that's what I was going to say is, uh, you know, I feel like in the, the, the conversation about this movie that James Gunn and other people have had is like, this is the movie that's going to reset things and open the doors to the new DC universe. And like, is this the new D like, is that our first look at what the future looks like? Because it also, um, I believe, you probably could speak on it better, but I know that the upcoming Batman movie is based on the brave and the bold, which I, I think has an older Batman and a younger Batman, the son. So no, it's, you know. it's, it's, it's a really weird. So the, it's starring his son, Damian Wayne, which originally in a non-canonical comic book, he slept with uh, Talia Gul, and at the end, you see that she has a kid, and that's like, oh, Batman had a kid. But it was, you know, it was like an Elch World tale, or something. Didn't really matter. And then Grant uh, Grant Morrison took over the X Men uh, like ten years ago or so, and brought Damian Wayne in as the, the fruits of that union. Kind of, I think Ben sped up. So not necessarily an older an older Batman, but there's no reason with the technology we have both in the comic book world and just in our movie making world that an older, like 60 year old guy couldn't be Batman. And so kick him. I mean, we, we believe all of the nonsense we're seeing on the screen in these superhero movies. We can suspend. We were fine with Michael Keaton doing it. Right. Even though he died in the movie, but why not? I mean, let's, let's give him his second chance at Batman and maybe he will be one of my favorite Batman by the time or Batsman or or Batman. I don't know which way to say it, but maybe he would be my favorite when all is said and done. Because it's not going to be Robert Pattinson. He's off in his own little bat universe as well. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, great stuff here. Uh, Jesse, what else? What have, have I been skipping over things? I know, I know you've got notes there. Is there anything else uh, you want to bring to the table? Well, I would say that when it comes to this movie, uh, and really any of these multiversal movies, but specifically this one because it has time travel, I never would have thought the, the main thesis would have come from Grandpa Simpson, uh, what he said to Homer Simpson on his wedding day. He said, if you ever travel back in time, don't step on anything because even the slightest change can alter the future in ways you can't possibly imagine. And that's exactly what happened in this movie. Uh, I, 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 the, the crux of having to let your, his mother die for the greater good that's, I think, a very, it's going to get, I think, overlooked by people complaining about Ezra Miller, Miller complaining about this. But I think if you look at um, a lot of the struggles superheroes have gone through in movies, could you do that? Could I do that? I mean, it kind of, uh, if you look back to an earlier movie this year, Knock at the Cabin, same kind of thing. Do you, what's more important, your family or the rest of the world? Would you rather screw the rest of the world if you can't have your family? And, and it shows that Barry in this universe is a true hero, that he was able to knowingly let his mother die for the greater good. Um, I, I think that uh, should, should be praised uh, when it comes to uh, how these movies end, um, because I think a lot of these Marvel movies have a little more of a happy-go-lucky ending. Um, you know, there's, there's always your uh, your Civil War, your uh, your uh, any of the Captain America movies, really. But I but I think um, the Flash is really bridging that gap between what's perceived for the DC movies of being not fun, dark, um, cold, and the Marvel movies are happy. I think it's really kind of a happy medium we got here, where there was a lot of really tragic stuff going on, but a lot of funny scenes too that we that I think we'll remember and. This will be a movie I want to rewatch again, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I like. Uh, I will say, like, there was a couple points in the beginning of the movie where they're kind of building up uh, the relationships between his father and uh, kind of getting us in on like you know the emotional core of this movie. And I, I was like, I'm not, bu- I'm not buying this. Like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm here for the action, right? Like, uh, I wasn't invested until the end. And I, I do agree, this was an incredible way. Um, and the message in that, uh, having to, uh, leave his mother behind and then him going in the grocery store and pretending to be someone else. Like I did think that was a very, uh, touching moment for the movie. So are are we to believe that his mother knew it was him or thought it was him or just had a feeling there was someone she, she recognizes that she, you know, that unspoken feeling that someone she can trust. Yeah, I guess that's, uh, it's not something I really considered. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure there was something in that moment that probably was like, this is important. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I just thought before, we, and I want to end before talking about this, a real weakness in the movie, I thought the character of Iris West was not good. Uh, I, I, don't, I was not impressed with the actress, no offense to her. Um, she came off pretty horrible um, initially, and 
what did we see out of Barry that she's like, oh, you should call me. We should go on a date. Like, <laughs> I, it just kind of was, it was heavy handed because, oh, he he's married to Iris West in the comic book. So we got to get them together. It just, that storyline did not, did not equal its payoff in my view. Yeah. That's another one. That's kind of like in the Zod category of like, I'm in, I'm in between like, you know, just cut it out altogether or just give me a little bit more, please. Uh, <laughs> and maybe, maybe we could, maybe that's what we needed. Maybe cut her out and then give us more Zod or vice versa. You know, like uh, I feel like time could have been best spent elsewhere. Well, her, her scene in the Snyder cut, I thought was actually pretty cool with uh, a car accident and dogs and hot dogs and all this stuff and Barry saving her. Um, and that was a lot of fun, but her character just, and even his uh, Barry's coworkers too, just didn't seem fleshed out enough. Just kind of seemed like not great people that I, like they were kind of like busting his balls, but in a way that seemed mean, not like what a friend would do. I just, I kind of, just didn't understand that the purpose of that entire scene other than to show that he is working at the crime lab. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave it with this, Jesse. And I, maybe this, uh, you know, or in the audience as well, makes you guys feel a little bit better on where I stand with this movie. This is my favorite of the DC Zack Snyder universe movies. Uh, I think I like it more than all of them. So with that being said, I like the Batman, the suicide squad, more but uh from from this like uh this universe of justice league i i think this is definitely my favorite movie and i, I had a, a really good time with it i think people need i, I think james guns he must have a vested interest I, I don't know what like the you know he didn't have any hand in this movie but obviously i guess he he is invested in this movie doing well but like he needs to st stop saying that this is the greatest comic book movie ever i think all of the movies he directed are better than this one so uh yeah i don't i don't know where that's coming from but you know i i think the key is like just have fun with this just go in prepare to laugh because it's ridiculous in so many spots and um and, and at the end it'll shock you with, with uh you, you might find yourself more invested than you thought you would be so go in there with an open mind don't have some preconceived take about oh i'm, I'm gonna be snarky about this movie because it's a dc movie and just sit back relax and enjoy it and if you are, you know, over 30 something, enjoy the nostalgia of seeing Michael Keaton as Batman. You can't go wrong. And, uh, oh, I, I keep, you know, ruining the ending of this podcast. No, please. Uh, what, what, what did you think about the after credit scene? Oh, yes. Uh, I completely forgot about that. Um, I, I, I didn't mention it because it was for me. It was much ado about nothing. Maybe it was there was something there for you. So, I like Jason Momoa. So it's, uh, it's always fun to see him. So I thought it was kind of a throwaway scene. However, are we, I know he changed everything, but are we still to believe then again that Barry thinks he's in the wrong universe still? Because he's talking, he goes, he, he was talking about, oh yeah, you know, I my Arthur Curry, like he loved bacon. He was cuddly, cuddly, cuddly or something. And I was like, oh, well, there wasn't an Arthur Curry in the you know the previous universe. He hadn't been born. So is he still just like out here living in a universe that he thinks is not the correct universe? Did did you catch that? Am I making sense? Yeah, no, uh, it does. Um, it, it's not something I thought about, but I'm also in the mind, like, you know, and, and I hit this sounds so negative to come at it like this, but like, does it even matter? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, that was that was kind of my thought. I want it to matter. I mean, you know, I, I want yeah. to believe, as Fox Mulder once said, right? it's, yeah. it's make it happen. <laughs> uh no yeah again uh let me ask you this so there was uh there was a moment in there jason momoa took off a ring was it a ring and he gave it to barry what was yeah. that i i just think it was a ring i don't i don't yeah, think well, it was anything. I, I was gonna say like you you mentioned the flash ring and then you know barry had a ring in this like i don't know if that's a flash thing but a suit's in the ring and then there i don't know there's a lot of rings going on like uh is this like the like the infinity gauntlet for dc do you need well, like well, all five rings <laughs> If you want to talk about rings, uh, what my favorite or the, the project I'm looking forward to the most in the James Gunn universe is the Booster Gold TV show. I don't know if you know anything about Booster Gold, but he was I'm kind of like a good. he was a football player in like the 25th century, I think. And he he cheated or he threw a game or so he became uh, persona non grata and became a uh, a janitor at a superhero museum and stole. Uh, a Legion, a Legion of Superheroes flight ring and a couple other things and went back in time to become a superhero in our time. And he's part of my favorite Justice League uh, comic book of all time, the Justice League International, which is kind of a sillier take on everything. So I'm I'm really hoping they uh, 
they land the plane on that one, specifically because Booster Gold's best friend is a character named the Blue Beetle, but not the Blue Beetle we're getting a movie on, a different <laughs> Blue Beetle. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see if like that character is going to be in the Blue Beetle movie in some capacity then move over to to uh, Booster Gold. But again, a Legion flight ring. I don't think we're ever going to get a Legion of Superheroes movie, um, but a Legion flight ring will be showing up in the Booster Gold show. So that's one more ring to, to add to the pile. Uh, and I, again, I'm not letting the podcast in it either, apparently, but I got to <laughs> ask you this because you're a DC yeah. guy. We're, here yeah. we are at the end. Um, you know, in Marvel, you know, a lot of like the underlings of superheroes, they tend to like there tends to be something different. You know, Iron Man will have War Machine or Wolverine has X-23, right? Like they're very clearly defined in the title of the character, typically that they are different characters. But what I've noticed in DC is there are multiple Flashes. There are multiple Blue Beetles. Uh, there are multiple Batman. You know, I don't even really know what I'm asking, but what, is there something there? What's going on here? Can they not come up with their own names? Why are there two? So, so here's at least what we're seeing in Marvel in the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, there's a real push for diversity, which, you know, again, when these comic books were created, some in the 30s, some in the 60s, they were written by, you know, old white guys. So most of the superheroes are white characters. Um, so. I, you see a lot of the new Marvel characters, either, you know, whether it be women or the black or whatever, because they want to have they want people to be able to read a comic book and say, you know what? I see myself in that comic book. I tend to not like a lot of those characters, not for any of those reasons, but just you comic book, I, I, I know it's it sounds, comic book character, comic book readers are like whoever was the character that. Whoever was like, you know, Green Lantern when I first started reading comic books, that's my Green Lantern. I don't like anybody different. They're very, very ornery. When it comes to DC comics, um, it's much more of like a, a generational thing. Like the people who take over a mantle, like Barry Allen, or Wally West was the nephew of Barry Allen, and he was Kid Flash first. And then when Barry Allen died during uh, the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Barry Allen was the next logical person to step in. And then when Barry, uh, when Wally West eventually retired for a little bit, a character named impulse who was, uh, uh, Barry Allen's like descended from the future, come back to the present. He then moved up to the flesh. So it's like the reason they're there is cause it's their next in line. And it all makes sense. The problem is no one can let any character die. So they keep bringing the original ones back. So then you have a whole bunch of them, but I love it. I love having a flash family. I love having a green lantern core because that way, you know, I like Wally West. There's a Wally West comic out there. You like Barry Allen? There, Barry Allen is appearing in some Justice League comics right now, so they're out there. So you don't necessarily see as many new, younger characters, although we are getting some. Like I said, the Blue Beetle. Um, Jaime Reyes is going to be in a movie this fall. He popped up, I think, in the mid-aughts, too. So he's been around for almost 20 years. Um, but going back to the Marvel characters... I would like to reiterate, I do not dislike them because of, of any issue other than they are new and not the characters that I grew up and loved with and comic book writers and readers hate change. I love everybody. Okay. <laughs> uh, we believe you, Jesse. We believe you. <laughs> um, Jesse, this is so much fun. Um, I got to, I, I, I got to close with recommendations though. Yeah. Um, I, I got to, you got to leave because you've, you know, I feel like we align and taste uh, often. So I, I got to know, is there, is there a movie or TV or show or something you've been interested in recently that you want to leave people with? Well, I, I would, I can't speak the entire movie. Um, but earlier today, I watched the first, 45 minutes of Extraction 2, starring oh Chris Hemsworth. This might be biased because I just watched it. It may have one of the best fight scenes slash uh, chase scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It was, it, and the first one had a kind of cool one too. I was exhilarated. And after that scene ended, I had to go do something. I had to turn it off. Uh, fantastic. I also recently saw Bo is Afraid, which I don't know where you stand on Ari Aster. Um, when I saw Hereditary, I think I said on Facebook, seeing Hereditary is like going to the Holocaust Museum. I'm really <laughs> happy I did it, and I feel really sad and want to lay in bed in a ball for the rest of the day. Um, uh -huh. Similar feelings after seeing Midsommar. This movie isn't quite like that. It's three hours long, and it made me feel. I'm not sure what it made me feel, but it made me feel something. And I need to read like some dissertations on what this actually means, because it was... Very odd, but it somehow worked for me. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that or anybody else's thoughts uh, when they have a chance to, to see that movie. It is a it is a hassle to sit through a three-hour movie. I, I won't blame well, you if you don't watch it. 
I've got some good good news for you. And, yes. You know, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to spoil this just yet, but um, uh, I, I, w- I was invited on Kickball Friends to talk about um, our, our favorite movies of the yeah. first half of the year. So uh, today what I did is I, I, I wanted to catch up. I want to make sure I, I saw the movies I wanted to see. Bo is Afraid is one that I have missed. But I love Ari Aster. I love all of the movies up until this point. But so I will be getting off this podcast and watching that very movie to prepare uh, to present some of my favorite movies of the year. I'm super excited for that. And you might hit the credits and go, WTF, what are you talking about, Jesse? And that would be a very valid way to view this movie. Um, but it's it's just so bonkers. I love it. Yeah, yeah um all right jesse again thank you so much for doing this uh i gotta i gotta get you on here more i don't know what dc stuff is coming up next but we'll definitely we'll definitely be chatting soon thank you Uh, and remember kickball friends podcast usually every tuesday uh late afternoon uh we we, you know we give each other a hard time but uh robbie my co-host is fantastic love happening and having him there and uh we're, we're i think around 271 and episodes right now so we've been going strong since the beginning of, of covid and uh, a lot of fun yeah so okay so uh you know i gave robbie a hard time because he because he ratted me out in front of all the other podcasters that because i said kickball friends is my favorite podcast but <laughs> okay, i'll say it I heard. Again. I'll say it here again. It is my favorite podcast. I, you guys, uh, such good, great banter. You're always talking about the things I need to hear about, and you're not pretentious. So uh, it, please, everybody, I'll have the link in the show notes if you want to check out the Kickball Friends podcast. Uh, and the amount of people who come up to me and come up to Robbie and go, do you guys really like each other? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, just, you know, we've we've known each other for uh, about 13 years now. This is the kind of relationship we have. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it works for the podcast. Um, all right, Jesse, I'm going to close this out here. I like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, preferably five stars. Um, also, please subscribe because we're going to be here every single week. Um, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Secret Invasion, Ahsoka's down the pipeline. We're going to be covering those things week to week. So if you want those episodes, you can subscribe and they'll come right to your feed. Um, also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Star Wars Pod. And we also have a Discord community going on. So if that's something you're interested in, you can hit us up and we will get you in there. But that is all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.